All right, I screwed up the first two. Sorry. <laughs> it's, it's okay. It's okay. We'll figure. I'll figure it out probably. Future suit will figure it out. <laughs> I'm sure it'll all work out. <laughs> probably. Sorry, future suit. <laughs> Sorry, future me. Yay. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the AtCast, a podcast for the study of modern visual culture. I'm your renegade scientist, Soup. And I'm your bureau chief of the Unidentified Creature Response Special Task Force, Renu. <laughs> this episode, AT stands for Atomic Tyrant, because we'll be talking about Shin Godzilla. But before we get into that, what have we been up to? Bro, it's the holidays. My god, it sure is. <laughs> I. I despise the passage of time. <laughs> What's wrong? <laughs> I I usually feel this way about this time of year, but I feel like I feel like this year has gone by way way too fast. Yeah. Yeah. Like like a lot of stuff has happened where, to make it go like, by fast or I I don't I don't know. I it just, mm-hmm. my year just like disappeared. I don't know where it went. I think I'm kind of in the same regard, and I'm not sure if it's like a lot of stuff happened or if it's like, I know that this year has been way more at least productive for me as opposed to previous years, but you know, we also mm-hmm. had like a pandemic or whatever, so. <laughs> I um, guess. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I yeah. think for me, it was kind of like hitting my stride in terms of like work adjustment, work-life adjustment things, and so I was really able to, mm. like, hit a smooth rhythm. It was very good. Yeah, I'm really excited. Like, nice. looking back on the year, I'm like, oh, this is a really good year, I think. <laughs> nice. Um, I'm, like, the exact opposite. I look back and what? I'm just like, oh, God, where did it all go? <laughs> what went wrong? <laughs> what, what is this? What do you this? mean? <laughs> oh, oh, lordy. You know what your year was? Your year was the year of Baldur's Gate. I lost you for okay. like a, a solid six months. <laughs> that that is actually true. That's probably where the last like fourth of my year went. Um, <laughs> I I spent like I I spent like three weeks just like gone from the world. Um, in in the world of in the world of Baldur's Gate, you know. Um, and then I I thought I was done with it, and then. The the mad lads at Larian Studios mm. uh, decided, you know what? What if we give you some content patches? What if, what if, oh. what if we give you like lots of lots of epilogue stuff and um, oh. a new a new uh, <laughs> difficulty mode? Oh. Um, <laughs> and they and they just they just drew me back in. I ju- they I ju- roped I, you back in. Mm-hmm. <sighs> mm-hmm. Anyway, um, yeah. Uh, I'm I'm glad that the year was good for you. For me, it kind of felt like I just uh, I like slipped on a banana peel. Yeah, <laughs> I, and like I woke up in the hospital. I'm like, where am I? 
you woke up in a, an entirely new house, and right, um, exactly. Yeah, and you're like, where, where, <laughs> where am I? <laughs> I don't recognize this place. <laughs> All my stuff is here. All my people and my cats are here. <laughs> you kind of like guess, rip and wiggled your way through time. <laughs> I guess I, I guess I live here now. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Weird. What's also exciting is that it's our sixth year of the podcast. Wow. Yeah. Have, I only. We have I only. <laughs> we've I only hit recognized the, it because of the yeah. um, designing the postcards. <laughs> yeah, we are. Uh, oh boy. Um, six years of the podcast. That's pretty crazy, honestly. I. When I think about like when I think about it, right. I can like kind I can recall it, but like off the top of my head, it just feels like, like what are you talking about? This is year like two or three, right? Yeah. Um, if someone were to come up and ask me, like, oh, how long have you been doing the podcast? I it's would like probably be like a couple years. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, a couple years. <laughs> and yet we're like on the uh, latter half of a decade now, right. officially. We're, we're hitting the latter half of the decade. Ooh, <laughs> <Yeesh>. ooh, la la. <laughs> We're our podcast is is old now. We're an old oh my podcast. Gosh. It can walk now and like go to school and the terrifying thought. I don't know, it has its own personality. <laughs> yeah. Speaking of postcards, uh yeah. Mm. Yeah, um postcards are cool. I will have them sent out shortly. Heck yeah. So definitely look forward to, to receiving those. Yes. Anyone listening who is sub to our Patreon, thank you so much. We are sending you postcards. Um, should arrive, I would assume, around New Year's time, January or something like that, depending yeah. on USPS. I, I would say depending <laughs> on where you live and mm -hmm. in what country and... Mm -hmm how long it will take the mail system in uh, each respective country to take things places. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Anything else? Been up to anything else? No, I mean, yeah, I don't have any... I've, I've done the typical holiday family time stuff. And I've also brought my work computer so I can work here while I'm not doing family stuff. And that's that's been of it. Course, it's been very, course. very chill. Yeah. Mm-hmm. How about you? Any stories? <laughs> Man, um, since the last time we've spoken, has anything like terribly exciting happened to me? God, I, I, probably not. Um, <laughs> like, well, you finished your Baldur's Gate run, right? I saw you post about that. Oh, yes. Yeah. Yes. Um, I, I did, in fact, complete my, my second playthrough of Baldur's Gate. Um, I completed the new honor mode, which... Uh, so. Basically, the way that the, the difficulty uh, works is uh, they just have, like, the normal mode. They have a relaxed mode that makes, like, the combat encounters a lot easier. So if you mm. just want to, like, chill and explore around and, mm. you know, do quests and not feel like uh, the world is trying to kill you that hard, um, you can <laughs> play that. Um, they have Tactician, which increases uh, the difficulty of combat. Like, I think enemies have more HP. And I th th theoretically, I think the AI is supposed to be a little bit smarter. Um, and I, I do think that they've 
tweaked it a little bit so it, it is better. Um, mm. And then they introduced a an honor mode uh, just recently in patch five, which what it is is it's tactician difficulty except for the bosses now have special legendary actions, which is a feature from uh, from fifth edition um, that they've adapted somewhat, um, which is cool because it gives bosses a like a cool unique kind of dynamic. So it's not like every fight is is the same and the boss is just the biggest bag of hit points, right? Hmm. Um, and the special thing about honor mode is um, in Baldur's Gate, normally you're allowed to have as many save files as you want. You know, you can make as many quick saves as you want, you know, like Skyrim. And in honor mode, you're, you can only have the one save and you can't like, you can't like quick load it. Right. So basically the idea is that every decision you make and every dice roll that you make is uh, is functionally permanent. Sure. Um, But if you complete it all the way through um, without without party wiping, that's the only that's the only way that you can lose your run is by uh, having your entire party wipe. Mm -hmm. Um, If you make it all the way through the game without party wiping, you get a cool golden dice skin for when you do your dice rolls in the game. Oh, so that was what you posted, was the golden dice. Yep, yep. Yeah. so uh, I did that, I played that all the way through, and uh, now I have the cool skin. Um, am I done with Baldur's Gate 3? Probably not. I think, uh, I probably won't do, like, too much single player um, for a little while, but I think I will probably be playing some multiplayer games. Yeah, that sounds like a fun way to, uh... Shake it up a bit, that way you can loosen up on your own whatever campaign challenge honor mode thing that you were doing. <laughs> yeah, I mean, honestly, honestly, like <laughs> it, it's not that bad. Oh, really? And it just the only thing that you really have to keep in mind when doing it is just to be like, just to be mindful, right? Just be vigilant. Um, because mm. if you, you, if you ever just like relax and you like walk into a trap and your entire team gets wiped like that's that's your save file that's that's basically gone like you can continue playing the mode but uh essentially afterwards you you continue in dishonor right so you can Mm. um it's essentially everything is the same except for you know when you get to the end you won't get the cool golden dice skin Mm -hmm. um but yeah i I do and like it i think for normal people who don't have fifth edition Dungeons and Dragons brain worms. It it's probably like <laughs> a a reasonable challenge. But uh-huh. like, let's be honest here. For me, I've been playing the edition since it came out, and I know what one might call like too much information about the system. Um, so it was like, yeah, it, it wasn't that bad for me. Okay, it just took time. It just took time because yeah, 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 you just have to be vigilant. Um, and honestly, like. I, I took a harder path through the game than I needed to um, hmm. because it's the easier path in that game is to just like be just kind of just be evil, right? Like a chaotic evil, like oh. um, murder person and just like kill your way through the game, right? If you choose all the evil options, um, you don't have to do a lot of the, the hard fights. Um, mm-hmm. But... Uh, 
because I'm a, I'm a big old softy. Um, I just I it took like until halfway through the game for me to harden my heart. Oh. Um, so I so I did all the hard stuff in Act One, which is arguably the hardest part of the game, um, uh. and the the most likely place that you will wipe. Because once you get to higher levels, mm. you know, once you have enough items, like it's a lot harder to just like wipe. Um, mm. if you have if you just if you have like a plan going into things, like it's mm-hmm. you know. But yeah, um, that was fun. Okay. Um, that was a fun, cool. a fun way to play the game. Um, it was cool to play without the the possibility of saves coming. I didn't save yeah. too much in my original playthrough because um, I just wanted to experience the game. The only thing I, uh, the only real times that I did were um, when I wanted to see, like which, like what branch a decision would have and like what mm-hmm. those, what those would look like. Um, that was the only time I really did any any saves coming, but um, other than that, yeah. Uh, so yeah, it was fun. I mean, one hundred percent. I recommend uh, if you are going to play any game that came out this year, man. I it it is hard for me to like not recommend Baldur's Gate three. Um, <laughs> if you are a fan of uh, party based RPG games. Hmm. Yeah, it's I um I, I think it's good. easily the game of the year of mm-hmm. of 2023. That game has so much going for it. <laughs> have you played any? I have not, but I'm looking forward to it. I'm actually right now um playing through uh Divinity Original Sin 2. Oh, um, nice. You and, nice. Yeah, you and I had started a while ago and I was like, you know, what? Yeah. I kind of want to just play through all of it and if I like it, then I'll probably end up liking Baldur's Gate as well, which is probably, you know, even vastly better um yeah so i yeah i also mm-hmm. kind of feel that way um yeah uh i kind of want to go back and and try divinity original sin 2 again um yeah there, there were some things that um i think it did that probably were not as engaging to me like the reason Baldur's yeah. gate was like got its hooks in me immediately is because it's a rule set that i'm familiar with Sure, yeah. So, yeah. I think you'll really like it, though. Um, yeah, I, th- I, think I think you I like both too. games. The only yeah, problem yeah, I yeah. have with Divinity is I hate, I hate the beginning of that game, and I've played the beginning, like, five times. The beginning is it's rough. and so like, slow. It's really slow, and, like, so I, um, I just played on, like, I don't remember what mode you and I played on, mm-hmm. um, but I played on classic mode with one of my friends, and we got our butts kicked i was like so surprised how difficult it was um and i was like maybe maybe i'm just stupid i don't <laughs> you know like maybe i'm bad at video game maybe, maybe and then, i'm um, bad yeah looking it up and it's like yeah you're i guess your your average beginner player at the game um is gonna struggle pretty hard in classic mode because it's it's uh it's really, really, really hard to get resources in the beginning. So you got mm-hmm. crappy equipment yeah. and you're trying to like level up, but all the, you, you can't really like, it's, it's, it's a little difficult to, to level grind in that game because all the enemy encounters are like contained, right? You like, they don't mm-hmm. have like respawn enemies, um, at least not that I'm aware of. Um, so every encounter matters, right? Mm-hmm. Which is cool, but it's also really tough when you're, feeling really underpowered right um i feel like when you and i played i we might have played on easier mode or maybe we just had a better i don't know setup um we we might have just taken a better path 
Yeah. Um, we, because like, I don't remember us struggling that much. Um, but yeah, when I was playing with my friend recently, uh, we basically just ended up starting over and then like respecking into something a little more quote unquote meta. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, at initially we were like one, one of us was like a, uh, a physical class and the other one was a magic class. And then this time we were like, no, let's both specialize on magic. And we're just going to go hog wild yeah. on that. <laughs> I, I heard that, I've heard that magic yeah. is really strong in divinity. Yeah. Um, because unlike, uh, Unlike Baldur's Gate and 5th edition, mm. you can just kind of mm-hmm. fire spells off all the mm-hmm. time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It sounds pretty good. Yeah. Yeah, you just have to ma- mind your AP. You don't have, like, MP, right, that, like, depletes mm-hmm. over the course of the battle. You just have to... You have a certain amount of points every turn to use. Um, yeah, so... Um, that being said, now that we respect and, like, focused and specialized our team and we've also found a couple of exploits like the pickpocketing mechanic where you can just oh my god <laughs> pickpocketing yeah pickpocketing <laughs> is so strong and then like it's so strong. <laughs> every larian game um has something that uh that the community refers to as barrel mancy which is where you just like set up barrels yes of, like explosives and then you just yes. set them off because the enemies won't like aggro onto you unless you like talk to them Yes, yes. So you could set up a fight beforehand, you get into combat, you're just like, well, you've fallen into my trap. Yeah, we didn't know um, the first uh, time we were playing, we didn't realize how much setup you could do before the combat, right? Oh, um, yeah. So we were just going to a, an encounter, you know, just, just blind. Um, but now that we know that part of it, it, it's just opened up in a whole new world. <laughs> it's so <laughs> fun now. <laughs> Oh, there's some there's some pretty yeah. wacky stuff you can get up to. Yeah. I've seen uh, in that game for sure. You can definitely yeah. get up to some wacky stuff in Baldur's Gate as well. Um, there awesome. is a there is a strategy called Owl Bear from the top ropes, which takes okay. advantage of the fact that uh, crushing damage, which is like damage caused by falling objects, scales okay. really fast. So okay. if you transform a druid into an owlbear and then you have them jump down onto an enemy you can just like do hundreds of damage to them because the owlbear is like a super heavy object oh my gosh um and it looks so funny when it happens um that's awesome yeah but yeah I, I love that i love that aspect of the games they're so goofy imagine crushing your enemies with an owlbear <laughs> owlbear from the top rope <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm glad. I'm glad. Um, I would definitely recommend for Baldur's Gate three to play a solo playthrough first. Um, oh. and then just fuck around in multiplayer like afterwards. Hmm. Why do you recommend solo first? Um. So the thing about playing Baldur's Gate three is um each so much like Divinity, right? Each of the uh origin characters, right? The characters in the game that you can play as, but otherwise, like you know, you can recruit them into your party. Yeah. Um, so each of those characters has like their own plot line. Um, and it is you're generally gonna be swapping party members out to like progress their plot lines, and you'll probably have like a couple of, of people that you like prefer. Um and I find that like it's just easier to play at your own pace, um and exploring these characters' stories when you're not pressed for uh time by involving another person. Um and I and I think the the stories are really good. Also, um, the 
the personal like quests for each of the characters is like really good. Hmm. Okay. Yeah. I love I love that game. Um. Maybe I'll try Divinity. <laughs> maybe. <laughs> I have like you own yeah, it. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, looking at it, I have 15 hours in it, but I don't. Yeah. I don't remember anything other than like the very beginning of the game because that's the part I keep playing, and I'm just like I just have to get past this part. <laughs> it takes so long. <laughs> Luckily, Baldur's Gate opens up like immediately. That's there's like good. a little, there's like a little intro section, and then it like eases you directly into the world. Yeah, I think what what the beginning of Divinity does is like it's say, trying they, to like, kind of like don't they huh? like limit your powers? Like they put like a shackle yes. on you. <laughs> yeah. Yes, you have a literal like collar on you, and it and you have to go through specific methods of trying to remove it. Um and uh you have to be strong enough basically to go through that quest line to remove it um so yeah <laughs> actually when i think about it that's like pretty much the exact premise of baldur's gate except in reverse uh-huh um like you have a problem that you're trying to solve and you keep uh -huh. seeking out people to try and solve it but uh -huh. instead of it like you know limiting your powers it's just uh -huh. You know, it, it's present, and it it might even be giving you powers. Ooh! Oh! Ooh! Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, That's cool. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I I think it's very funny that Larian has both of us by the neck right now. <laughs> yeah, just in just in different ways. Um, yeah. <laughs> but you could you could easily just like I I easily lost like a, a whole night to Baldur's Gate. Just oh, like, I'm sure. I'll I will have many late nights with that game having fun, oh, so, and it'll take over so, my life it's too. So good. I feel like I feel like the the characters you will enjoy a lot. Um, nice. They're all. I'm excited. They're all characters. That's that's all I'll say about that. They're all characters. Okay. <laughs> okay. Cool. Well, other than right. that, yeah. Um, shall we talk about Godzilla? <gasps> Gojira. Shin Gojira. Um, did you know that Gojira is uh, essentially just like a mashup of two of two animals? It's like a mashup of the Japanese words for gorilla and whale. Oh, yeah, that's Gojira fun. And Kujira. Yeah, I think it's kind of actually timely that we are doing this right now too, because initially the idea was that. We would do Shin Gojira because we're done with Ava and we're Shin Gojira is also. So we, yeah, yeah. Say, we'll, yeah, we'll just do the next Ano shtick. We'll, yes. we'll do like Ultraman we're, next year and then. Kamen yeah, we'll Rider do Ultraman next year. next year. Yes, yes. But also, like, apparently the new Godzilla movie that just released, Minus I, One, is. You know what? I heard, yeah, I heard it on. I heard it's good. Yeah, I've also yeah, yeah. heard that it's good. Yeah. Yeah. I think. Um, I, I want to watch it, I think, whenever I get the chance. <laughs> that might not be a bad idea for a, for a January episode, actually. It might be, okay. might be, might be timely, even. Um, Could be. I think Godzilla is such a fascinating franchise because of how, like, intimately it's tied into, like, both the, the politics of Japan and the U.S., but also, like, the sort of cultural space of, like, it's a Japanese property, but, like, there is a sort of significant base of, like, Godzilla movie production that happens yes. uh, in the yes. U.S. Like, we just have, like, we have our own Godzilla movies, right? And <laughs> we each mm -hmm. kind of have different takes on, on the concept. And, like, 
I think that's cool. Um, yeah. This, I would love to watch the new Godzilla movie and see what it does um, compared to this movie. Because I think this, the thing about Shin Godzilla, to me, that is, like, really wild um, and is so Hideaki Anno is that, like, is basically right and a lot of people have described it as basically just like a disaster movie more than a monster movie um true yeah 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 yeah. uh-huh and it it does feel a lot like that where it's yeah. like so much more focused on the response um from yes. the government yes um, and getting to see like what's what's essentially going on behind the scenes um and i feel like that is it's like both very hideaki Anno, and also very it's it's very Kafka esque. Like there is there is, there are few things more Kafka esque than the the bureaucratic machine that grinds <laughs> humans up, you know? Yeah. I I mean, me personally, one of the reasons why I have enjoyed this movie so much is because it is such a different take on the Godzilla movies because they normally just skip all of this stuff. Like a lot of people consider this the boring stuff, which is why Shin Godzilla might not be your cup of tea. Like I've heard people hate this movie because they're like, it's just meetings. It's just meeting after meeting. I want to see the the monster beat up I the city. I love and... the meetings. <laughs> it's so it's so funny. And like this this movie legitimately has a great sense of humor. Just every every now and then, <laughs> it's the juxtaposition between you know giant monsters smashing the city and then someone being like, I told you there was a giant monster that was going to smash up the city and you didn't listen. Um, yeah, it's great. Um, and very, very Anno. <laughs> it, like, all, every aspect of this movie is so deeply and heavily steeped in Hidake Anno, the, the yes. man. That yes, it's like, the man. It's not, it's not even fucking funny, right? Everything. Like, everything. Um, obviously, like, we have, we've talked historically about, you know, Hideke Anno's love for tokusatsu, um, mm-hmm. where, you know, that was kind of, really you could consider that the start of his career right um yeah was was in college and doing like you know uh amateur tokusatsu stuff right big fan of ultraman and godzilla and all that stuff but i think it's cool that he gets to go back and just like direct for all the big tokusatsu franchises like what a what a dream come true that that's what exactly what I was thinking. It, like like childhood him must be like like in like oh, over the moon right that he's he's basically getting to do something that he probably never thought was even possible as a kid or maybe he that's did like, and it's a dream come true yeah. Well, that that's also the thing is like I think it's so so clear how much love there is for Godzilla and for Tokusatsu yeah. right yeah the so much of the CG has this kind of, like, it, it has what I would, like, consider a, um, an intentional artificiality to it. Like, mm-hmm. it looks a little, like, silly and campy, but, yeah. like, in a way that I think is appropriate for Godzilla. Um, yes. For Tokusatsu, right? You know, yes. uh, calling back to the guys in the rubber suits beating each other up on model cities, right? 
Yeah, no, definitely there's a there's a very specific intent to the way that the creature looks in this movie. Um it looks it looks awesome to me. Um I I like that I, there's a mix of campiness and a I little love, bit of modernization. I love that the I love that Godzilla kind of just changes throughout the movie and yes. you, you start with this like really stupid looking yeah. fish Godzilla and like <laughs> gradually eyes. he stands up. Yeah, I love I love yeah. that. I love the weird Godzilla. The um, weird, oh, it's so disgusting looking with the little, the gill, the, the wiggly yeah. gills and the nubby <laughs> arms. <Ugh. laughs> um, but at the same time, I think that the way that the, the absolute, like, the absolute manifestation, right, of, like, how raw the like the godzilla like laser beam scene is is like oh yeah man like that's 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 it like they're, they're, that's that's the best one that's the best godzilla beam that they've ever had like just starting <laughs> from this like weird belch of like volcanic fire and just like like condensing down into this like hypersonic beam yeah that's fucking cool yeah, and the the music during that part is so good. It's like it's like classic nightmare feel from Evangelion music. <laughs> yeah, I mean a, a lot of the like a lot of the stuff is literally just taken from from Evangelion. Honestly, yeah. like, I'm taking this with me. Yes, this is mine. This is me. <laughs> I can't wait to the watch drums. Shin Ultraman and we just hear bum 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 bum. <laughs> If they do that, I'm I'm gonna freak out. <laughs> I, it, I think it's funny too because like it's very clear how much of a nerd Hideaki Anno is because like there's so much uh, attention paid to the little details of like the entire like military command structure. Like it's not just like you have permission to fire the missiles, fire the missiles, right? It's literally like Prime Minister, you have to approve firing the missiles. It's yeah. Like, uh, okay, I approve. He's like, all right, tell them that she, tell them he approves. And then like yeah. he goes to another guy. He goes to another guy. They're like, all right. They go over the radio. The radio relays like two separate times, <laughs> and then they start <laughs> the actual operation. Like this is not the kind of detail that you put in for accuracy or uh, for any reason other than you just think it's fucking cool. And like, I I feel like I don't remember when we were talking about this, but um. I remember talking about how uh, this might have been a conversation with Brandon where Hideke Anno is, has this very weirdly conflicted relationship with, like, military stuff in that, mm. like, he's very staunchly anti-military and at the same time he thinks all of this, like, military stuff is cool. Oh, do you know what it is? It's, it was a quote about Hideo Kojima. Somebody said this about Hideo Kojima. Mm. Might have been Brandon. Um, mm. Where it's just like, He's like a guy who thinks like, you know, like staunchly anti-military, but also thinks all the military stuff is cool in like a geeky way, right? <laughs> and that like that that feeling like pervades and oozes through this movie, where it's just like there is a lot of fanfare for the JSDF, which is the Japan Self Defense Force, which is its yeah. own kind of political can of worms that we'll probably open up in a little bit, but. Um, <laughs> Just just looking at, like, you know, the scenes of the coordinated fire of, like, the tanks and the helicopters and the planes, like, it's it's pretty cool, honestly. Like, it, it, you're like, 
oh yeah, like this is this is appealing to watch. Yeah, I think it's a lot of it is is the the I hate this thing, but I'm obsessed with it kind of fixation. But mm. also, um, I imagine a lot of that came from when he was a kid and he was watching these older Godzilla movies, and he'd watch the military do their best to like take down this giant creature and. It look they make it look really really cool. So that's like a staple in these movies is that you got to have the response look really freaking cool. <laughs> that's what makes it exciting. Yeah, I really enjoyed like every part of this movie. Like honestly, even the like meetings <laughs> were like very engaging to me. I and love also, the meetings. Man. <laughs> it's so like, funny. <laughs> just just having all of these old men. <laughs> politicians in a in a meeting room just like what the fuck is that <laughs> can we shoot missiles at it i don't know can we <laughs> um but it, it was interesting because it's like um it's a very clear indictment of japanese bureaucracy and red tape oh yeah right? um, yeah there's a very like pointed kind of uh it's funny because there's this pointed kind of um, admonishment of like you know, you know uh, of of these like career politicians basically like passing the buck and like <laughs> making it someone else's problem. Like no one wants to take responsibility for for the incident, right? And like yes, you could see that the prime minister is put in this position where he's like. Oh, oh no! What do I do? Right? <laughs> I I love how well this movie sets up all of the decisions that the prime minister has to agonize over. Everyone is coming to this man for every decision because he's the PM, um, and it's 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 almost done in a comical way, right? Even though he's he's literally deciding the fate of his country, mm-hmm. and like. Just the beginning of the movie where, like, he's mostly concerned with, like, well, how is this incident going to, like, you know, reflect in my in my re-election campaign, yes, right, yes. on my career? And then the by the end where he's, like, so off. <laughs> and, like, by the end of the, uh, by the end of, like, you know, where the, where the politicians, like, you know, get into the helicopter and die, they're, like, watching as Godzilla, this unknowable creature of, of massive power is, like, um rampaging through the city they're just like oh god like every decision i make it has like such a big impact on people's lives and like every decision is sacrificing the lives of some for the lives of others right yeah i like that i mean he kind of has a little bit of the that that character development right and Mm -hmm. um and 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 it gives you that kind of hopeful message and i feel like that's also very characteristic on nowhere it's like extreme devastation and then there's hope at the end um right and for for the pm he was you know initially focused on image but then by the end he was only focused on like the the prioritizing civilian lives right like they called off the first like helicopter attack on godzilla because there were still civilians evacuating um and uh, he kind of had to like that was kind of like a, a a turning point with his character, um, and then you know he got blown up in a helicopter. But you know, <laughs> <laughs> before that, you know, it was pretty good. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um. So, v- 
very specifically, um, many people have talked about how Shin Godzilla is um, much more closely related to the um, the Fukushima um, nuclear meltdown in 2011, right? Mm. Um, and there's I I was actually reading into this, and there's more parallels than uh, than I actually expected to find. Um, Many people were talking about how the um the bureau chief um uh Yaguchi is uh very reminiscent of Yoshida who is who was like the the director of the Fukushima plant um who basically like basically when the government was like kind of fumbling the bag like took matters into his own hands and was just like all right we're going to we're going to pump seawater into it right um I don't know how much you remember about this this event um, but we're gonna like pump seawater into the reactor so that we can we can cool it down and you know prevent it from being super destructive, right? Um, and there were some concerns that maybe it would it would cause some other problems or maybe like you know um, this or that would happen. Um, and so they were ordered to stop, but basically secretly he was like, no, but just keep pumping the seawater. <laughs> <laughs> no, but actually keep going. <laughs> no, but actually like continue continue doing it, right? This is gonna um, save it- us. <laughs> And it, and it turned out to, to, you know, actually work. So right. that, was, that was how they got the situation under control. So a lot of people saw that as both a failure of the bureaucracy of government and the, like, the heroism of, like, one guy, right, uh, who was, like, yeah. willing to, to go against the grain. So you see Yaguchi is this, like, politician. Um, you know, he's, he's pretty young. He's, at, uh, he's pretty low in, in the ranks. Um, and people just like dismiss him out of hand. He's, he's like, guys, yep. I think there's a giant monster in yep. the bay. And they're like, that's uh-huh. ridiculous. <laughs> Why yeah. would there be a giant monster there? Right. right? I, I, I like that. It, it sets up his character up well for the audience because the audience knows there's a giant monster in the bay. They, they know he, that there's a Godzilla movie happening. He's a very like classic, <laughs> like maverick, like, uh, yeah. you know, I, I'll do my own thing. Yeah, um, the audience and, like wants to root for him. <laughs> and I, I also think it's really funny. This is another like this is such an Anoism, um, uh-huh. where he gets a team of like just the, just random outcasts and nerds. Yes, right. And he's just yes. Like, All right, we're a team of random outcasts and nerds, and we're the only ones that can save the planet. It's so good. They have they have the Ray equivalent. They have the Asuka equivalent. It's great. <laughs> I thought that was so funny too. Also, just like, um, oh god, what was her name? Which one? Kayoko. Kayoko. Yes. Yeah. I thought that I thought that she was so funny because it uh, it it sounds like a like a native Japanese speaking person putting yes. on like an American affectation. Yes. Um, and the the way that the American accent is like perceived and translated is essentially just like people just talk loudly and confidently and very fast. Yes, that's that. I wonder if that's what Anno thinks. <laughs> like it must be because he's so very specific about the cadence and delivery of of the actors in his movies or his works. Um, so he's like, you have to talk this way and so on and so forth, and just pretend you're American. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I mean, yeah, yeah. 
fair enough. Um, I mean, it, it worked for what it was. It's just funny watching it as an American. Yes, yeah. I mean, like, it is, it's the same exact, like, two-way street of, like, I'm sure that when Japanese people see stuff that we make that has, like, Japanese stuff in it, they're just like, well, that's, that's kind of weird. Why would you do that? <laughs> yeah. Why would you do that? That's a little strange, you know? <laughs> Um, but yeah, I mean, the th- the thing about, like, Godzilla as a symbol, right, as a, for what Godzilla represents, like, there is this very loaded history, um, as a, you know, Godzilla as a creature that has emerged as, as a result of radioactive, active, radioactivity, right? Um, yeah. So, like, nuclear technology representing both this horrific monster that we cannot like unmake right (laughs) and that is like very difficult to kill um but also like you know hope for a better future right because like inside godzilla you know in in the sort of um internal logic of uh of the movie um, inside Godzilla is a new kind of like it's it's a new kind of uh, nuclear uh, fission or nuclear fusion. Yeah, I don't, remember, I don't uh-huh. remember which one they said. Um, yeah, nuclear fission, I think. Yeah. Um, so it's like a potentially a new energy source, right? Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. And I would say that Hideaki Anno is not a subtle storyteller. Like, a lot of the stuff that Uh he writes and directs is, like, very on the nose. It will, like, tell it to you yeah, straight. But at the same time, I think the thing that makes him very good at telling these kinds of stories is that he's very good at making sure that the symbolism is easy to read, but is also, like, really dense. Like, it's not just, Mm -hmm. like, Oh, Godzilla is is nuclear technology, right? It's like mm-hmm. Godzilla also is is essentially, right? Um this manifestation of of an arms race, right? Of like the the sort of like um evolving the 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 rapidly evolving nature of like arming yourself to to defend against your enemies, right? Mm-hmm. So you know, if you see Godzilla as this as this child, essentially, between the United States and Japan, um, as a result of the things that have happened in that relationship, right? Um, obviously, we have, you know, the, the, the bombing of Tokyo and the yeah. atomic bombings of Hiroshima and Nagasaki, right? Yeah. And that's, like, the immediate thing that people think about when they think about Godzilla, um... And about nuclear technology in Japan, right? That that sort of stuff is there. But, like, at the same time, you know, um, there are layers to it beyond just that um, that I really appreciate in Shin Godzilla. Because mm-hmm. it's really easy to just, like, well, I'll just, you know, I'll, 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 do, the, I'll do the thing. I'll, I'll, do, I'll do it. I'll do the Godzilla thing, right? But, like... <laughs> I love that Godzilla is like this weird creature 
and the the strange circumstances of its uh, creation um this like disgraced biologist who went missing on a boat i love the mm-hmm. beginning like the opening shots of the movie that are like like the the camera team on on just the like re, uh, the rescue like team that are just like it's just empty because it's just kind of spooky actually at the start yeah um but yeah like godzilla as this evolving manifestation of of violence of this arms race um but also like you know representing this new technology that every country wants a hold of right like the united states wants to kill godzilla and bury it right and and bury mm-hmm. the 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 technology right mm-hmm. um and you know japan just kind of wants to make sure their country survives right yeah um and yeah. But they're also interested in in the new energy source, right? You know, France is interested. Uh, Germany's interested. Of course, Russia and China are interested. Um, there are a lot of very, like, once again, like, very on-the-nose, like, things that people say. Like, they'll just come out and say things, right? Like, characters will just say what, what the thing is supposed to be about, right? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. There's multiple they're very moments, explicit, yeah. There's mm-hmm. multiple moments where, you know... Um, these like you know uh just like incidental characters are talking and they're just like man it must be so so easy for people in in the united states to just like say that you should do this or you should do that like we're we're all the way here in asia and like that is so they're so accurate to the way that we choose to think about um you know uh really the whole region right it's like yeah We've boiled think, it down to like, you know, these are our allies and these are our enemies. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I do think I like I like how pointed it is. But it was also again, it has that onoism where the rebuttal for that was like, well, if this was happening in New York, they would make the same call. Right. They would also choose to, you know, devastate their own mm-hmm. city like Tokyo it's, in exchange for saving the rest of the country. Right. Um, and it, and it's yeah. hard. It's hard to like hard to re- uh, rebut that because it it probably would end up being true yeah. and <laughs> like looking at major disaster movies uh that you know we make stateside that's pro- that probably is true mm-hmm. um but at the same time um i think that the position that the government is in is so complicated because of the of the of just the actual literal baggage that they have, historically speaking, of, like, well, like, they want to drop a nuke on Tokyo. Yeah, the third nuke that they've dropped on Japan. Like, you know for the entire yeah. movie that this is, like, yeah. where it's, like, as soon as you know that, like, the United yes. States is, like, getting involved, you know it's exactly involved, where yep. this you is going to go. Right? Yes, you knew exactly the direction, yes. But, like, still even... When they deliver that and you just kind yeah. of see people responding to it in, yeah. in different ways, it's yeah. like, it's kind of, it's kind of heartbreaking how much it sets in, like, you know, how heavily you can see the trauma yeah. and the scars running through yeah. the country and its people. Like, it is it's, for it's the greater so good. good. Yes. Theoretically. Yes. 
but is it but is it the only way right um, and and uh, can can we do this again i i they address it again at the end actually um i'm i forget the name's character the, the character's name it, she's she's the robotic science nerd one oh, I um her who name either. reminds me of ray yeah um but she smiles for the first time at the end of the movie when they find out that the isotope for godzilla's radiation was so short mm-hmm. meaning that in two or three years the radio acti- the radioactivity would be gone and the citizens wouldn't really be that far affected you know versus when the nukes dropped on japan right and you can see that that like, callback to that again that trauma of what happened to their country and man yeah. they <laughs> they he built up to the moment of like them considering that decision like so well like so so well like my heart dropped when i first saw that um the consideration even though that's you know that that's the direction that the movie mm-hmm. is leading in you you know um, it's the direction that it's it's going to go yeah. in and like you have a pretty decent feeling that like the team is going to pull through and and they're not going to have to go through with it but yeah. like the the weight of yeah like like the weight of that sword of damocles just like hanging yeah. yes yes is so present and so like so impossible to escape yeah. because of how it, loaded it is yes it builds up the stakes so well because it's like if the team doesn't succeed they will have to drop a third nuke on this country and devastate it all over again in in the literal like most populated densely populated city of the country right um yeah yeah it's it was it was like (laughs) the thing about the thing about um you know, um, nuclear warheads in this scenario is mm-hmm. it does displace and it does kill, but the thing that it does most of all is it salts the land. Like, you can't yes, exactly. inhabit it, right? Exactly. Um, and, and I think that's that's yeah. another one of the reasons why that character was so relieved that the Godzilla, Godzilla's the Godzilla impact on the... On, was so, yeah, the Godzilla radiation, so yeah. Like, won't, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, because like the entire city has ba- has been leveled, and like you know that Tokyo yeah. is like massive, all these buildings, right? Yeah, and like you see Godzilla just tear them up, but uh-huh. um, but you know, as long as they're able to rebuild, they will. There's kind of this like you know, um, solidarity of of the human spirit, uh, element to it, like quite literally. Again, you know, Hidekiano is not like a subtle man when he <laughs> tells stories. It just so happens that his work is dense enough that you can like read further, you can take, you know, stuff further. But like the base sort of message that he's intending to convey is almost always something that somebody just like says, right? Yeah. <laughs> so like you know, um when uh when the other politician uh the the guy with the glasses uh, i think it's like the minister of like the cabinet or something um uh-huh. is, is like you know japan's like a scrap and build country like we'll 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 scrap it and we'll rebuild it as long as we can right yeah um this is actually another thing uh somewhat unrelated um somewhat somewhat tangential but um i i did want to bring up that um 
the plan to pump coolant into Godzilla to like kill it, to like freeze it basically, um, is like very reminiscent of uh, the Fukushima disaster. Because, yes, yes, yes. Um, you know, obviously, it's it's like you're pumping coolant into the nuclear reactor to cool it down. Right? Yeah, yeah. But like when the team is assembled, right? And it's such a stark contrast from the the very strict seniority bureaucracy of of the government at large, right? Of just like these career politicians, you know, whoever is like the most senior member is like, you know, has the most power and the most influence. Um and then then, then you have this like tiny, scrappy little department that they just like put together. They have like completely done away with any hierarchy within it. Um, they're all speaking casually to each other, and it's just kind of like literally they're just like you know this gives me hope, sir. It's a little bit like the um, it's a little bit like the the um, like we're just human beings working together, right? Um, <laughs> and that that's like the thing at the end of the day, right? Is that um, aside from the government and like outside of the bureaucracy, like. It really is just people trying to help each other. And you and you can see even like as the movie progresses how much people in their various positions are just trying to help each other. Yeah. Absolutely. Um I uh I think that again feeds into his his narrative of like humanity will persevere. I mean, that was also a theme in Evangelion too, is that humanity is gonna choose to Right. Uh, not only just maintain its individuality in, in, in Shinji's dilemma, but also that we're going to choose to work together and we're going to choose to rebuild. I mean, that's what that's what the movies were titled. <laughs> the Evangelion movies. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I think that is one of the greatest strengths that Ano has is that he yeah. is so attentive to the everyday people that are caught up in, in a disaster. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. So when in Evangelion, right, like the world has functionally ended, but there are still people like living in these buildings and they have like protocols that like retract the buildings into the ground when the the giant robots are fighting. Right. Like it's very clear that like it's a it's a space meant for people to live in. Yeah. And there is like you never forget that the people like ultimately being affected are just everyday people, right? Like, there are, just throughout the movie, just scenes of, like, evacuations, you know, um, more evacuations of people, like, <laughs> um, caught up in, in the, like, falling buildings and, and, like, trying to run and trying to evacuate, getting stuck in traffic, right? Like, these these images persist, right? And the imagery in the movie is, like, so fantastic because... It is both evocative and, you know, also still manages to retain a lot of that, like, tokusatsu kind of flavor to it, right? Like, the, the Godzilla noise, you know, when you hear Godzilla roar, it's, it's iconic. It is one of, the, it is one of the, the noises of all time, one of the sound effects <laughs> of all time. Um, uh-huh. The explosion sound effects are, like, almost very purposefully kind of campy, I feel like. Mm. Um, like very, very like eighties, nineties explosions, you know. 
Yes, like definitely this this movie does so well at maintaining very pivotal key things from classic Godzilla. <laughs> yeah. I I do I do think that's something that is interesting is like Evangelion kind of takes place in a world where the psychological has become real. Um and I feel like in in kind of a reverse way like Shin Godzilla feels like it's kind of uh kind of like the opposite where um the real world, right? Um the this like grounded real world is like manifesting um almost almost as if it's like almost as if the earth itself or like the people themselves are like manifesting this being just by like existing just by like believing Hmm. Um, you know, um, there is a, a very recurring aspect of just feeling like Godzilla is some kind of like divine punishment, right? It feels like a natural disaster. It feels like, you know, a being beyond human comprehension, a lot like the angels felt like in, in Evangelion, right? Yeah, there, there is this kind of feeling of like inevitability that we would eventually all just kind of naturally get to this stage where um at least in, in maybe in this movie um that humanity has just kind of like technologically evolved to the or advanced to the point that it would create something like this unexpected but natural right like with mm-hmm. nuclear technology um and and um they even refer to it a couple of times as like the ultimate evolution, right? This is the ultimate the creature. Ultimate There's no evolution. creature. Yeah. A, a, as advanced as this one, this is where we were headed to. Right. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Just e- even just like where, like the circumstances of Godzilla's birth in this movie as like, um, you know, uh, professor Goro Maki, right. Lost his wife, to cancer um because of radiation and left this like really cryptic message mm-hmm. and just fucking disappeared right and yeah it's like when you see when you see godzilla from the lens of you know being some kind of manifestation it kind of feels like you know godzilla is this monster that uh that was created because of you know or you know is this sort of hatred of japan of the united states like of the things that have hurt the people close to him right mm-hmm. um and there's kind of a an element of you know the more that they try to kill godzilla the more it evolves um yeah and in in a very similar fashion to the the sort of like you know Godzilla as a metaphor for the arms race right um if you see Godzilla as as this symbol of hatred um or of of a negative relationship between the United States and and Japan um you can see that you know uh, funneling military action into it it only really makes the situation um worse um or you know at best like does nothing right um but also like 
what ends up destroying the monster in the end is is people working together. Yeah, I I think I mean it's so poignant to me that like you know it it's an expression basically of his wife's cancer, right? The the creation of this of this creature that the more that you try to attack it, the more that it grows, right? The more that it spreads its devastation, right? Just like metastasis. Um, and it's going to get out of control unless you, as humanity, try to band together and find a way to deal with it, just like cancer as a disease. Um, and I, I like the point um, they made in there where he just, it's it's clearly just like a, I'm going to put this out there and I'm going to show you what I went through kind of thing. Um, and you just have to deal with it. Right. He, that, and that's one of the reasons why he just kind of, he just kind of hex off. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I did think that the, the interpretation of, of the do as you like message was interesting. Um, and <laughs> There, there is uh, once again like not not subtle at all. Um, there, there are like multiple moments where it is kind of addressed how how much like the U.S. and Japan have this quite strange relationship. Um, where you know if you don't know a ton about Japanese politics, right? Um, Japan is not allowed to have a standing army. But they are allowed to have a self-defense force, which is like an army that you can only mobilize when you are being attacked, right? And you can see, yeah, you can see the politicians kind of arguing about it, like, um, yes, like, can we mobilize the self-defense force for this? And they're like, well, we have to be being attacked by a country or at least like something equivalent, right? Yes, they um, had to define everything, and they had text on the, the screen and everything. <laughs> Right, the the fact that there was no there was no precedent, um, yeah. obviously, and that they had to make decisions to to set the precedent, right? Yes, and you couldn't just rely on on the precedent, right? Like this is that this is the thing about like very conservative governments, right? And I would say the same thing about the United States is that so much relies on on precedent that the decisions that you make that don't have any precedent are like super important, right? Yes. Because it sets, I mean, it sets the present. It sets the new standard. Um, yeah, I remember there were there were a couple of lines from the movie that, like, really. I mean, they, again, Hidakiano just likes to be explicit about this kind of thing. Where one of the characters was just like, "Well, why didn't we act immediately? And you know, do an immediate response." And then the other character was like, "Well, the protocol for immediate action was not applicable." <laughs> Yeah, and I mean, like, the the thing about mobilizing the JSDF is it is probably one of the most politically loaded things that you could do, right? Like, there there are very few things more charged than a country that is not allowed to have an army essentially using you know, uh, those resources as um, to, to solve some kind of problem, right? Yeah. Like, Japan is not allowed to have a standing army because of the United States, right? They don't, yes. They signed an agreement, right, when, mm-hmm. um, you know, the peace treaty, like the terms of that are that they're not allowed to have a, a standing army. 
but they yeah. are allowed to have a self-defense force that, you know, they can, you know, defend themselves if, uh, if another country attacks. But, like, sort of thoughts about the existence of militaries at all aside, um, and the Japanese military specifically, because, oh boy, that's another can of worms. Um, uh-huh. There is a cert- there's a very clear lack of sovereignty that Japan has in being beholden to the United States in that way. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, because the United States is, can send support, but they won't necessarily do everything they can, and their ultimate solution is, is to drop a nuke on Tokyo, right? Yeah. Um, and in much the same way, like, like Korea as a, as a country is, uh, like, South Korea as a country is very similar to this in that, like, it, as far as I know, like, um, the, the military is more a self-defense force than it is a military. Um, I don't know the specifics of it, but I, I think that their military essentially is, like, it's essentially controlled by the, the U.S. military. Um, mm-hmm. And so you, you have these two countries in, in Asia, right, in East Asia, um, where war has ravaged, like, both of them, and neither of them are allowed real sovereignty. And, like, obviously, like, <laughs> you know, just because just cause you get to have a military doesn't mean you'll do good stuff with it, right? What do you mean? <laughs> what could you possibly be referring to? Yeah. <laughs> like it, it it's interesting to me because there is um I feel like you can take away from this movie a very pro JSDF bend, right? There there are many nationalists in the Japanese diet who push for loosening regulations on the JSDF to you know, if not just outright removing, you know, uh the limitations on having an army at all, right? Like Right. Mm-hmm. The goal there is to to get the army back, right? To be a sovereign country, and you kind of you kind of understand where they're coming from while watching this movie, because like they have to go through so much red tape, and then like through another country to even like try to mobilize their their troops. Yeah, but you know, also like. Japan mobilizing any troops is so politically fraught that, like, the prime minister doesn't (laughs) want to do it because, like, you know, if there if there is military action on Japanese soil again, like, what's going to happen? If there are weapons fired on you know Japanese soil again, what's going to happen? Like, what is going to happen if a nuke is dropped on on Tokyo? Like. You know how there is this kind of, um, I don't quite remember um, if this was an essay that I wrote or a conversation that we had, but there's this kind of like discontinuity that happens like before, like before and after World War II for like Japan and the Japanese identity, um, where there, like there's a very real point at which the 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 strung together narrative of history falls apart and makes way for a very fractured sense of of existence um which in the United States happened around World War 1, right? The United mm-hmm. States and Europe mm-hmm. happened in World War 1, 
right? And mm-hmm. so you have afterwards postmodernism and um and like the the lost generation and and that kind of stuff, right? Um, you see something very similar in Japan, I think, after uh, after the the forties and fifties, right? Mm-hmm. You have people making things to try and process feelings about things, right? This is something that's like buried very deep in uh, in the cultural landscape of of Japan, right? In in the history of Japan and. Yeah, I I really I really enjoyed how blatant <laughs> Ano is about that. <laughs> yeah, it's it's um I mean primarily this is obviously a movie from a Japanese person to the country of Japan, right? It's it's a Godzilla movie, of course. Um I feel like it's it's very interesting to read it as an American, right? Um and I feel like as an American there's just always going to be elements of it that were not going to fully understand the weight of um like a lot of americans might not understand why him mobilizing the jsdf was such a big deal right right right, why he was so like distressed about it and why the reporters were like oh my god this is the first time that they've ever mobilized this is crazy like you know like why is that such a big deal um as american we would never fully understand the the gravity of that right Um, like we we yeah Mm -hmm. we to some extent understand like what it's like for our country to go to war right yeah um unless of course you were born like after the 2000s because then you were born into war and you never really ended (laughs) but (laughs) um but the thing is like um there is such a uh there's yeah like you're completely right that like an american audience i think it's it's very easy to miss this kind of context if you're not versed on the politics uh, of the region, right? Mm-hmm. And I feel like it is something that, like, people should know just because it's, you know, w- we did that, <laughs> you know? Yeah, like, yeah. That, it's an important part that of That was America. That was America's yeah. fault. <laughs> yeah. We, we kind of did that. So it, 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 does, it feels like kind of like we owe it to them to, to know about that. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. Um, but at the same time, like, the people that want to turn the JSDF uh, into a standing army or, like, t- want to, you know, return the right to Japan to have a military, like, this is such a complicated issue because it's, I mean, ultimately, it's, like, it's nationalism, right? Like, there's yeah. this nationalist argument for, like, woo, Japan number one, we're the best, right? And, you know, taking back sovereignty of, of your country a thing that is like very real, right? A very real feeling and a very real situation that's happening, right? Is is Japan's sort of lack of sovereignty over its own armed forces. Um, but at the same time, like I'm not saying that that's a good thing, right? But it's like at the same time, you know, the United States is not exactly the good guy in this transaction either, right? It's like <laughs> it is 100% for our own political goals that we have essentially co-opted the militaries of of at least two east asian countries right right and we're like primarily trying to stop like russia and china um from doing whatever they want with their militaries right mm-hmm. and the sort of I, I mean historically that's been true but like especially in the 50s 
and especially in Japan in the 40s yeah. and 50s and especially in right. Japan. Yeah, it's I mean that history is I mean it's one of the reasons why I like the way that he ended the movie the way that he did. He I mean Japan ended up cooperating with uh, uh Germany again, but Germany? And that was like, yeah, right. That, it's like, that was, well, okay, that was guys. All right, all right. Yeah, yeah. Um, huh? But <laughs> but then at the end, rather than like going along with the the United States's plan, they went with France. They were like, hey, this is this option works better for us. And <laughs> I mean, I I it's there's a very like there is a very human centric, human focused. Um, viewpoint that gets pushed at the movie, right? It's like yeah. if you ignore all the fanboying about you know Godzilla and um and like cool shiny tanks and helicopters <laughs> and missiles, right? Um, uh-huh. At the very end, like the the acting prime minister is just like act is like so like just acting in accordance with like pure humanist principles, um, and. That is an unexpectedly powerful thing to say um, yeah. for someone who is in a very, you know, at the very top position of, of the government, right? Because mm-hmm. it feels so often like our governments don't act from humanist principles. Like they just mm-hmm. are focused on, you know, either their own careers or like where our country is power wise compared to another country or. Mm-hmm you know um like where the the country's economy is like this is obviously a a, a big talking point is like capitalism <laughs> it always comes back <laughs> yeah. but i i did i did really like that at the mm-hmm. end um of of the movie you know they're just um he's just like actually uh i the we just released the information like it, it it's just free information now right yeah like, yeah it's very clear that they're working for a future where, you know, humans across the world can work together to solve problems. And, yeah. like, honestly, kind of prescient if you sort of consider Godzilla to also be um, a uh, an environmental metaphor, which is very easy to do, obviously. Yes, it's like yes. like a lizard that ate some radiation grew real yeah. big. Right. Yeah. So if we see Godzilla as like a man-made problem, right, something that we caused, something that burying our history secretly, right, you know, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. burying our history in, in Japan, you know, burying history of, of all the war crimes that they did, right? It's like it'll lead to problems, right? Mm-hmm. And um, you can look at it from the angle of environmentalism and, and say like all of the, the polluting that we've done has come back to bite us and it will take human beings all working together for the the cause of humanity to be able to solve it man i love this movie <laughs> it it touches on so many complicated themes the politics the history the environments like all of it um and i feel like it's such a it's such a disservice to think that this is just a movie about meetings, even though the movings are the meetings are, you know, a majority of the, the meetings. Listen, the meetings are a big part of, of the movie, but they're an important part of the movie, and they're also there for yeah. a reason, you know. 
Yeah, they're, they're, they are strangely absorbing, and it's because they are all there for a reason. <laughs> yeah. There's there's never any point in the... Um... There's never any point in the in the movie where I felt bored watching the meetings. Like it was all very no. engaging to me. Yeah, and I think it's because he's he's addressing so many of these complex themes and messages and I I feel like he was he did it about he did it the right way because you kind of do have to be explicit sometimes if you're balancing so many different if you're kind of juggling so many different things. It's like if you're using too many metaphors, people are kind of getting, getting they're going to get lost in the sauce, right? So sometimes it is fine to say i don't know stuff like uh there was one time where one of the characters was like any decision requires a meeting because of bureaucracy sucks and then the other person's like well bureaucracy is the basis of democracy there's always like this give and take this like push and pull in Mm -hmm. in the arguments that are presented in this movie it it i think it does a good job of like presenting these themes and um i mean it's a very japan centric um, of course, yeah, work, but like, yeah, obviously, but like it does its best to present these arguments in a balanced way. Like you can kind of see it from both sides, like why someone would have this viewpoint and the other person can just argue like immediately. Like they do that several times in the movie. Yeah, all right. Um, yeah. Anything else? Mm-hmm. Uh, I like the final, the final shot of the movie. You just see Godzilla's corpse there in the middle of the city and it's very... Godzilla's weird, messed up tail. Yeah, uh, yeah with it, all, it, all the, the human beings crawling out of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, it's, the silence is very striking very, image. Yeah, it's very striking. I feel like, I feel like a lesser movie might be like they they might go for like the oh, there's like a flicker of light in Godzilla. Like he's not actually dead, you know, like the but you will never die kind of trope. Which I mean, that kind of stuff is fine too in like horror movies. Right. Um, yeah. But like, it really feels like humanity kind of earned their victory during this moment i mean japan earned their victory against godzilla and like ending it on that final moment with with godzilla and the the people on it's it's great the movie to me is like it's such a great work from start to finish i wasn't sure how i would feel about uh shin godzilla upon rewatching it um yeah but like i i was Thoroughly, I was thoroughly (laughs) engaged the whole time. Um, Yeah, that's that's pretty rare for me for watching like a movie for a rewatch, right? (laughs) For a rewatch, especially, yeah, 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 yeah. For me too. I was also a little like, oh, I do remember that there was a bunch of bureaucracy in the movie, and that's kind of like the point. And I wasn't sure how, you know, maybe I would like work on something while I was watching, and then there was some. I I tried to work on something that couldn't. I just yeah, ended up exa- exactly. A movie. Yeah, me too. Me too. <laughs> I was just like, maybe, maybe I'll just have it up while I work on something. Um, yeah. And uh, no, no, the movie's just so engaging. I mean, yeah. <laughs> I can't like at the end of the day, like I can't. I just can't hate a movie that is put together so well and mm-hmm. has so much love and attention paid to like the source and where it came mm-hmm. from, but also adapting it for new contexts and also just like seeing a guy who really likes something get to make something for that that property yeah it's really mm-hmm. cool and yeah. also like weird godzilla fucks weird godzilla <laughs> rules like no he's so gross <laughs> 
I think that they're like I I'm not sure if there is a a, a a single scene in any movie to me that is like fucking cooler than when Godzilla is like focusing its laser beam. Oh that no, shit, yeah, that part's that shit amazing. Fucks. That was crazy. <laughs> like from from the graphics to the sound design, like yeah. oh, chef's oh, kiss. It was amazing. Good fucking good fucking work. Jesus. <laughs> okay, all right. Well, um that will uh that will do it for this episode. Uh that'll do it for the year. Um Yeah. Happy have- podcast anniversary. Happy podcast <laughs> anniversary. Um, we didn't plan anything like super exciting this time, but uh, you know, you know us. We've been busy. <laughs> um, but yeah, thanks for sticking with us so long. Um, we will be back next year, and um, hopefully, we'll be back to a to a regular ish schedule. I don't know what your travel schedule is like for holiday stuff. Um, I, I know that you, uh, have a con this week. Yeah, I've got a convention next week. Um, I've got, I'll be going to Holiday Matsuri, and then, uh, in January I'll be going to MAGFest, but okay. winter's usually pretty light on that kind of stuff. Yeah. Convention so, stuff, yeah. Mm-hmm. So stuff should be, uh, should be doable, uh, especially if we wanted to do, uh, if we wanted to do the new Godzilla movie, um, for January. Mm-hmm. Ooh la la! Yeah, <laughs> might might be interesting. Might be interesting. Could be interesting. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and then obviously uh, next year we'll talk about uh, the next in this trilogy, Shin Ultraman. Oh my gosh! I'm so excited. I've kept myself unspoiled about the whole movie. <laughs> Me too. If there is any figure that is more culturally loaded than Godzilla. Like it might be Ultraman. <laughs> it might be Ultraman. Yeah, <laughs> hard to say. Well, mm-hmm. thank you so much. And thanks, uh, everyone. <laughs> I hope your I hope your year was good. I hope it was better than mine. Um, my year <laughs> no wasn't banana bad. Peels? <laughs> yeah, my my year wasn't bad per se. I just like blinked and it was over. Right. <laughs> yeah. Um. Who are yeah. you? Where can we find you on the internet? Hola, I am Renu, also known as Swan. You can find me on Instagram at swan.drawn. You can find me on Twitch, uh, Twitter, Tumblr, all the other stuff at swandrawn. I have been doing tons of commission work. I stream art on Wednesdays. And on Fridays, I've been streaming um, one of my favorite JRPGs. I've been streaming Star Ocean, The Second Story. It got a... It got a remake this year. So I was like, oh my God. <laughs> it came out of nowhere. It has like, they maintained the old PlayStation 1 sprites, right? Uh-huh. Little, little, little pixelized, little animated, little graphics. But then they updated all of the um, environments, the lighting, and everything. Um, and kind of like oh, a okay. octopath traveler style yeah they gave it the octopath yeah. traveler treatment yeah, yeah yeah it looks so good i'm so excited and they voice acted everything so i'm playing nice. through the original first right there's two routes in the game you can choose your main character um i'm playing through as one main character in the original playstation one version and then 
uh, I'm going to do a playthrough of the remake with the other characters. So it's going to oh, be, we're going to yeah, get all cute. of it. But yeah. Yeah. It's great. I highly recommend it. If you, uh, if you want to come by, you want to check out the game. If you want to come say hello, please feel free. I, like I said, I stream every Wednesday and Friday evening <laughs> on Twitch. Right. Yeah. What about you? You can find me all places at literal soup. Uh, if I'm on a place, it's there. Um, the stream has been quiet lately, and I know that. Um, I'm working <laughs> on some stuff for the stream, which is like oh. mostly why I haven't been uh been on. Um, oh, and okay. Hopefully, hopefully that's ready early next year because I would like to to get rolling again with that stuff. Yeah, I've 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 gotten a couple of visitors who come by my streams being like, Hey Saturni. <laughs> I promise it will return soon ish. Quarter one of twenty twenty four. Oh quarter one okay, let's go. Cool. <laughs> yeah. I won't I won't give you a hard definitive date, but um definitely yeah. quarter quarter one. Um I think okay. like as soon as we get stuff sorted and we're like crawling out of the holidays, um we'll we'll probably get started again. <laughs> okay well um <clears throat> uh yeah thanks so much our uh let's see b -b 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 uh, our opening is by scott to network and our ending is by takamakata and the patrons we are thanking this episode are evan williams claire cherry bell uh magpie Miratesh, sean dow and dylan Bugs. thank you so much for the support thank you all so much <laughs> and we will see you next time see you next time in 2024 <laughs> time ね。